It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Listening to it, getting nearly crazy because she's such a little cutie. I'm going through at the home of the representative of the Arnsoid and that's the Arnsoid. So yeah. Take out, get the answers. How are the people going to get the answers? Playing all how hard I work and to get nothing at the end of it is a very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion mine with PJ Coogan. Coach 96. Do you ever have a Friday that feels like a Monday? Feels like a bad Monday? Do you ever have a Friday that feels like that before you even start the day's work? <laughs> One of those, my friends. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. We were getting messages all afternoon yesterday and all this morning and people want to know what happened with the traffic yesterday. Why did traffic just go completely bananas for no reason? We started getting messages during the show yesterday morning that there was a tailback here and a blockage there and there had been a crash and it was just mad and no one could understand where it was coming from, how it started, what it was all about. We did get one call to WhatsApp from Amy. We didn't get to, to put it on air before we got off yesterday, but here's what Amy said to us might have contributed to yesterday's traffic mayhem. Hey, just listening to PJ Coogan there about the traffic. I think the reason the traffic is bad, there is three confirmations on today. The Lock Church Greenmount um, uh, Glashing Girls and Glashing Boys and also Crispy Cream is opening so I'd say that could be what's causing the traffic but I don't know when I was well it's just there is a big confirmation on the Lock Church but it's three individual schools as well so unless that has anything to do with it I don't know but I said I'd send in a voice note anyway Thanks for that, Amy. We didn't get to use it till this morning. So that was a few confirmations and the opening of a donut shop. Now, sorry, but if a few confirmations at one time and the opening of a donut shop are holding up what we call ourselves a major European city, we have a problem. Wayne Hilton, morning. Morning, PJ. What happened yesterday? The usual crack again, was it? Well, that, look, that's it. We had an incident in the morning around about 20 to quarter to nine. Um, we had an incident there, multi-vehicle collision, South Road westbound. And what happens when you get these problems? You get a lane blockage. It, it just rapidly backs right up to the Jack Lynch Tunnel. This was beyond the way to Town Park near Bloomfield, near the Bloomfield Interchange. 
backed up to the Dunkettle interchange. We've got a lot of traffic there that's, that's suffering restrictions, lane restrictions and so on. There's so got a lot of traffic arriving at once, which is crawling along. So all that adds to it. Everything backs up. That's basically what happened. And it just it, it can take hours to recover. Once, it, once the lane has been cleared and the flow is going again, such is the volume of traffic that's there, it just takes a lot of time to recover. There's a lot of other ongoing roadworks on, adding to problems as well in the city centre. Quite a few roadworks going on. Leitrim Street, Coburg Street, just to give you an example there, it seems a lot of people using other routes as well, and a lot of people avoiding travelling into the city because of those roadworks. They're going through the tunnel, they caught up in, in, say, this incident on the Southland Road westbound. There was a broken down lorry then travelling eastbound, and that also had a similar effect of backing things up. Bear in mind, we have these roadworks as well near the Kinsale Road rather than flyover. We've had lane restrictions ongoing for some time with that new bridge that's gone across from uh, Grange to Tremor Valley Park. The bridge is in place now. Happy to say this morning, a lot of those lane restrictions have gone, so the traffic will flow a lot better. We've been noticing a lot in the evenings as well, heading out of the link, out of the city, towards the Kinsale Road roundabout. You can be queuing for 15, 20 minutes just to get yourself on the Southland Road eastbound. We do seem to have an ongoing situation, though, Wayne, where the slightest bit of extra pressure and it all goes wrong. Yeah, that does seem to be the case. And look, in, in, in probably due to, you know, the infrastructure here is really stretched and we've got more and more volume of traffic on the road. When you do have an incident, you're really going to feel it. Yeah. Tell me about this change. It's going to really affect people this evening. It's to do with the latest bit of work down at Dunkettle. And, and what is going on? Because it's going to, it's going to be very inconvenient. Yeah, there's quite a few changes going to be rolling through in, in, in the next few weeks. Um, you know, we, we, we've had that change recently travelling in from Little Island side in from the east there and that's seen considerably uh, more slowdowns, people getting used to the new layout number one and, and secondly you know, the, the speed restrictions and the volumes of traffic they're also adding to, adding to problems and there's, there's going to be more of that uh, coming in. Like As, as this project uh, advances even more, there'll be more temporary um, adjustments there to be made for, for the layout before it finally gets to, the, to the, the finished project. But, you know, all of these things are, are going to add to congestion because people then naturally taking the time to be sure that they're in the right lane and trying to navigate their yeah. way around it. And that seems to have changed a couple of times, which means once you're, used, once you're used to the new layout, there's another one. Yeah, and that's the thing, and that's it. And, and it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's slowing traffic down as well. All right. Wayne, leave it there. There's some audio or some um, some breakdown of what is happening this evening. Um, I'll get it from the newsroom. The, these diversions that are going to be sending people, as my father used to say, around the world for sport just to get out of town uh, this evening. All sorts of, of grief can be expected. At least it's being done sort of in the evening time and over the weekend, but it is going to cause all sorts of problems. 0818 96 96 96. Oh yeah, we had good news yesterday with our Snap the App. Our contestant yesterday was Tilly and Tilly snapped the app and she went forward to the draw for 500 euro and she had some good news last evening. So I'm going to London in a couple of weeks and I was literally going over with a fiver. A fiver? No, we can't be having that. Tilly, it is very good news for you this evening because you are now 500 Woo! euro richer. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so sorry. I'm very dramatic, but I'm so delighted. Thank you so much, Harry. She's like a child after three kilos of Harry Bow. So Tilly was our winner uh, yesterday.
And we'll have another one later on this morning. Yeah, this is the one that's happening this evening. So the N25 westbound will close temporarily near the roundabout at half past seven. The N25 westbound. So that's coming in, isn't it? Coming in towards town from Waterford, from the Waterford direction, will close at half seven. That's to allow maintenance of two bridge structures. The diversion will then be via the tunnel, the N40, which is the link road, and the Cork South City link road. So if you're coming into town to go anywhere on the north side this evening, you won't be able to. You'll be directed across, down through the tunnel, down the south link, back into the city. It's hoped that they'll have it all done by nine o'clock tomorrow night and motorists are advised to allow extra time for their journey. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I know you're probably struggling to grasp it, but if you're going to be coming in from the Waterford side this evening on the N25 in towards Cork, from East Cork in, from Middleton, from Cove, from Yall, in that way, you're going to be diverted down the into the tunnel down over the link, back into the city the other way, and it'll be in place until about 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Oh, I'm glad I don't have to go anywhere tonight. 0818969696. Question 10. What chess piece moves first? The pawn. So you actually got 9 out of 10. Woohoo! I'm and delighted. Then, I know. And then the one that you obviously had doubts about, uh, what chess piece moves first, the correct answer, unfortunately, is pawn. You've just won! Yeah! 2,000 yeah! euros! Boom! Shaka! You can buy a defibrillator now. <laughs> I know, I know. Now that I've won the two grand, everything is great. Lads, you've made my day and my daughter. We're just over the moon. Congratulations. Well done. Thanks for Stacking up the cash. Yes. Cash. With two grand a minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Hurry! Coach 96 yeah, I mentioned that at the top of the programme. A bunch of confirmations yesterday, which we think might not have helped with the overall situation. But the, the Krispy Kreme opening. Is it Krispy Kreme or Krispy Creme? I don't know which it is. It doesn't matter. Donuts. Krispy Kreme or Krispy Creme, whatever they call themselves, uh, opened on Patrick Street, where the old Pulse Porter's newsagent used to be. And people queued up yesterday morning from 4 a.m., uh, the 4am first customer arrived down uh, someone called Parsa was uh, first in the queue and got a voucher for 150 yo-yos um, but a queue for flipping donuts at 4am our Simon went down to Krispy Kreme or Krispy Kreme or whatever you have having today to find out why anyone was queuing at 4am for a donut. Been here since what time? 4am. Hey, it's Simon. A beautiful morning in Cork City Centre for the opening of the brand new Krispy Kreme and this is the Krispy Queue. Been queuing up for donuts since 4am. Yeah. Why? For the story, I guess. Also, the donuts are really, really good. You just come back from the nightclub, yeah? Abby's got work in three minutes, so I'm not sure you'll get to the top of the queue in three minutes. No. But you decided to come down anyway? Yeah, we tried. What is it about donuts that gets people out of bed super early? Well, it's Krispy Kreme, actually. Because I had a fight only last week, and I had to do this as well, so... What kind of fight you have? Again, you'll see this MMA. Do you win? Bam, bam, bam. 
donuts and all that. <laughs> yeah, four o'clock in the morning queuing up for donuts because they're really nice. I'm sure they are. I, in fact, I know they are really nice. Got a sneaky peek last week. But they'll still be the same nice at 4 p.m., won't they? 0818969696. Traffic from Crosshaven to Carrigaline. Always mayhem uh, these mornings. We were making the point, too, about the changes, you know, the changes in the city, the big wide pavements and everything down to one lane and cycle lanes and scooters and you name it, they're there. And big pavements you could play a match on. None of that is helping uh, the average motorist. And look, it's all... For the good of the environment, so we're being told. And then we get this picture sent in to us. If they, someone sent in a picture um, of government-sanctioned climate damage. You what? Yeah, government-sanctioned climate damage. This is, uh, I don't know where this is or where this was being stocked or where this was being sold. Wild Alaskan salmon fillets packed in China and on sale in Cork. So Alaskan salmon fillets, that's from Alaska. Okay. Packed in China, so that's an awful lot of travelling from Alaska to China, then an awful lot of travelling back to Cork. Uh, and that, someone says that's government-sanctioned climate damage. Where was it being sold? I doubt the government, was, but you know what I mean. Oh, wait, what? 96, 96, 96. Linda, you were pulling your hair out yesterday, I think. Morning. <laughs> Good morning, PJ. How are you this morning? Great. How long were you going where you should be going? Well, my poor daughter was driving. She's um, currently a learner driver. So um, that poor child was uh, literally an hour and 20 minutes it took us um, to get from Glanmire over to Mahan. Um That should take no more than 20 minutes. Oh, 100, like 15 to 20 minutes is, is, is what it should take, PJ. And it's just, I don't know. I'm I, At this stage now, it, like as you said, pulling the hair out, it's crazy, mm. you know. And it, what's striking me as well is, you know, as I said before, it's the impatience and the frustration of drivers, which you can't blame. You know, it's people cutting lanes, trying to get in there. Yeah. Um, and it's just bedlam. You're getting you know, 100 yards. If you do that, you cut someone off, you, you ruin their day you get 100 yards down the road and you're caught again. There is just no point. Yeah, there's no point. There's no point, you know. And and and, and PJ, this thing with... Oh, they, I don't know, there must be someone down in, in the council that has an obsession with footpaths because <laughs> I just do not understand it. It's actually... The, like, you would say something if there were a path, but you could actually get a double-decker down these, these paths yeah. that are taking over the city. Yeah. Every every corner I turn, it's not a normal path. It's these awkward paths that you have to manoeuvre. Yeah. Um, oh, big enough, as I've said, big enough to play a match on some of them. Yeah, it's it's it's. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the city. Um, I just think that personally, my opinion is they're messing it up. Um, I can understand they're trying to get you know less cars in the city, yeah. but equally. You know, they haven't then, they're not backing it up with resources to help people that want to actually not bring their car, you know, so they're not backing it up with the resources. Well, well um, they want, they want us to make that choice not to bring our cars. And to be fair, yeah. I've always said before, I'm served by two excellent bus services. And for me, it's no big deal to get the bus into yeah. town, particularly when the weather is nice. And I often do in the summertime, mm-hmm. you know, get the, get the bus in and walk up here to 96 of M. It's lovely. But the point I'm making then is, well, what do I do? I've got to go collect my son down in Monaghan yeah. Road at two o'clock. So what do I yeah. do there? Where where are the buses going to get me down there and get the two of us back home again? They just don't exist. Yeah, Be all day no, going no, home. I, 
yeah, I just think there was very little thought went in behind this. And look, I, I do think hopefully, you know, the work's on the tunnel that, you know, at the end of the day, that will make it work. But currently at the situation at the moment, it's just absolute bedlam. Um, you know, like you're in the coach business yourself, aren't you? And like, we are, we are. so you know the roads, and you you see this stuff happening. Yeah. Like they're telling us, they're promising us, the powers that be, that it'll all be grand in the end. Do you think it will? I know. Look, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a very kind of glass full girl, so I look at things very positively. I can only hope that that's you know that it will work out that way. And um, currently, at the moment, it doesn't give much hope. You know, if if we're traveling, you know, if we're bringing you know uh, kids somewhere uh, with the coaches and for five minutes late you know it throws everything out you know and you know and I know it can't be helped at times but I just really do think that it should have been thought out a little bit better Um, it's just you know it's just every morning it's the dread of getting into the car Mm. you know and again as I said before I feel sorry for people that are learning to drive because it's it's a daunting experience stressful enough at the best of times yeah it is extreme like we were cut off yesterday morning um, by a gang of lads in car literally nearly took us out and just cut straight no indication nothing and it's like you, you, you beep, you do something, then you, you have to kind of be aware, you know, of the consequences of doing that. So you're best not to do any, yeah. anything and just be quiet, you know, oh. and just. But again, it's back down to the frustration. It's yeah. people running, racing, getting stuck in traffic. Um, and, and that's where the, the damage is going to be done, you know. Long so, delays yeah. leading to short tempers. That's true. Linda, thank you. 0818969696. And my best to your, to your daughter. I remember when my own daughter was learning to drive. Uh, the fact that we didn't kill each other is, is a miracle. It's a miracle of all time. 0818 96 96 96. You might have seen that uh, and it brought the local situation very much to mind. Did you see that story, Elton John, this endless end of career tour of his? <laughs> how, how long this final tour of Elton John's is going to be no one seems to know he's still touring and he will be headlining the Friday night at Glastonbury as well this year which we'll be able to watch on the BBC so I look forward to that but he's in London at the moment doing his final London shows and if you follow the sad story of Kate Garraway's husband Derek Kate's a television presenter of course um, she presents Good Morning Britain but her husband Derek has been really, really crippled by long COVID. Poor man. He, they nearly lost him a couple of times. And he has been sick for such a long time now, sick since 2020. And it just will not go away. And it was a pure miracle that he got to the, the concert. But what was lovely was Elton being, and by all accounts, a very nice man, turned around, looked into the crowd and just dedicated a song to him. Of course, there was tears, and there was a photographer somewhere. And there's a big, it's all over the place, uh, that story. Kate Garraway's husband, and he's still very unwell. He's been in hospital since the concert. The eff- Imagine this, the effort of going to a concert landed this poor man in hospital. There actually are a load of Cork people with long covid Remember the very day, early days, maybe it was four or five months into the pandemic, 
we began to hear about long COVID. It was around September of 2020. Uh, we started, we spoke first to someone in Scotland, I think it was. And then that call went out on the opinion line and other people began to ring up and say, yeah, that's me too. She's describing what I'm going through. People's lives have been destroyed by long COVID. There is a lot of it about, which is scary. And you hear the people now, even now when COVID for the most of us is very mild now. If you happen to get it now, it's a bad cold. It literally is the bad cold that some of the cynics said it was. Now, for most of us, but for others, it's still destroying their lives. I'll come back to it because there's a few Cork people speaking out about it. I had great fun last evening. was down at Electric. It was a beautiful evening. The sun was streaming in the window and it was gorgeous. Just such a lovely evening at Electric for the launch of Live at the Marquee which kicks off on 27th May. 18 shows between the 27th of May and the 24th of June. And just tell you how many days it is now, because I love doing this. It's 35 days now to the live to the launch of Live at the Marquee. 27th May, three nights of my therapist ghosted me and they have the frames doing two nights. Bingo Loco, that'll be a great gig. H will play, and that's sold out. H on 7th of June. We're talking to Tommy yesterday. Tommy's back there for two gigs. And Rod Stewart for two nights on the 20th and the 21st of June. Rod Stewart is back. We've been doing tickets all this week for various gigs live at the Marquee. We did tickets for The Therapist. We did tickets for The Waterboys. Bellix one, Tommy Tiernan. I have tickets today for Rod Stewart. You're listening out for this one, which we'll play again later. So this is the bit of audio. I'll just drop it in without warning, all right? Yeah. Crowd pleaser, if ever there was one. Next time you hear that intro again on the program will be your chance to go 0818969696 and win two tickets to see Rod Stewart live at the Marquee on the 21st of June, one of the 18 gigs for this year's Live at the Marquee Festival. A great launch we had last evening in Electric. While I have your attention for a minute, I was reading this story in... It's going all over the place now, but where I'm reading it from is was RSVP Live and... The whole thing with double barrel names, we've had that discussion. But I wonder how many women, when they get married now, take their, their husband's name. Like, my missus took my name when we got married. I said to her, you don't have to do that. There's no compulsion on you. There's no legal um, compulsion on any woman to take her husband's name. It was never legal. They do it for ease of paperwork and stuff like that. Um and in fact, the job she does now, it might sometimes be better for the missus to be using her her own name because she gets recognised a bit. And Are you related to that? You know? But anyway, um, but no, it was, the, it was the done thing. My, my, my mother took my dad's name. My mother's name was Herlihy. She took, she took Coogan. Um, it, it's just been the, the done thing. Some people used to think for years that you had to. You never had to. You never, ever had to at all. But now they're saying, well, why would you anymore? Why should you? And this woman writing in RSVP Live, I've been engaged now for five months, but I decided long before I ever met my fiancé that I'm definitely not changing my name. To be honest, I'm surprised the practice is still quite common. Like most women have their father's last name, 
The father walks the bride down the aisle, giving her away to her new owner. This is her words, not mine. Her husband, the bride. And this, <laughs> is this a sexist practice? Does it date back to the days of women being seen as property? Now, if that's beginning to sound like a meeting of Overthinkers Anonymous. But anyway, do you, or did you, or will you, or would you take your partner's name when you get married? Is there anybody who's, because I came across one and one only ever, whose husband took his wife's name? Because you can do it. There's nothing to stop you doing it. Like if you prefer her name, you can take it. She can take yours. You can do the double. The double, I hate the double barrel. Because you know what happens to a double barrel? A double barrel then becomes a triple barrel. When you or your kids get married. When your kids get married, it becomes a triple barrel. Imagine being, imagine being, uh, your, your name being O'Sullivan Murphy. Right? Let's just pick O'Sullivan Murphy. And, and then you get married. So you're, you're Mary O'Sullivan Murphy. And you marry Tommy O'Driscoll. So do you really become Mary O'Sullivan Murphy O'Driscoll? Like you're going to have to get a bigger passport form for that. But <laughs> does any woman here, has any, anyone listening to me this morning, not going to take the name? If you took it, why did you take it? Would you give it back if you could? Would you give him back if you could? Just a thought, just, it's a lot of it about. 0818 96 PJ, tell people if you could, please, avoid the Tremor Road. There's some event on there in the college. Traffic is bananas. That's from Lydia. Um, got stuck in the traffic yesterday. Left home in Fermoy at quarter past eight. Had an appointment in Toker at half nine. Didn't get there to quarter to ten. Shona was horrendous. City councillor made a total mess of the city. You should see the difference in emergency services response times. The cars have nowhere to move to now. They can't get out of the way when there's an ambulance or a fire brigade. The footpaths are too big and car numbers have tripled on our roads and they're reducing the amount of lanes. It's not going to get any better. I was thinking that. You know, if, you see, if you're in, a, in traffic and there's a, an ambulance trying to break through, you're, it's good practice. It's best practice. I think you actually have to, but it's best practice at least to get out of the way of the ambulance. Where are you going to go? Where are you going? You can't get up in the pavement. It's six inches high. You'll make sugar of your suspension. Where are you going to go? 0818-969696. Tilly was back on. Yeah, Tilly was our Snap the App qualifier yesterday and it turned into a great day for her. So I'm going to London in a couple of weeks and I was literally going over with a fiver. A fiver? No, we can't be having that. Tilly, it is very good news for you this evening because you are now 500 Woo! euro. Hey, hey. Yeah. I'm so delighted. Thank you so much, Tilly. She's like a kid on a sugar rush, isn't she? Hi, guys. Tilly here. Just wanted to say a massive thanks for qualifying me yesterday. You've no idea how much it means to me to have one. If King Charles is sound now, I might even buy him a drink for his coronation. Emer, you're some woman for one woman. Fergal, you're a ledge. And Coogs. Oh, they haven't called me Coogs in a long time. You're the king of the radio. Thanks again, guys, for making my whole month. Kind regards, take care. Mind yourselves from Tilly. If anybody wants to follow on in Tilly's footsteps, we'll be doing it after 10. Download the app now and I'll tell you when to send in your screenshot. 
The GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on Cork's 96FM with the Rochestown Park Hotel. This month's award goes to Willie Duggan of Mitchellstown CBS. Willie is recognised for guiding the school to All-Ireland College's senior hurling success. Congratulations to our latest award winner, Willie Duggan of Mitchellstown CBS. The Cork's 96FM GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards. Recognising outstanding achievement in Cork GAA. For you. Corks 96 FM. We got married in 1990. The love of my life, Michelle, kept her name on the passport, double barreled. Michelle Anderson Horgan. I have no problem with that, says Jimmy Horgan. And I'm sure you wouldn't, Jimmy. And it's a lovely name, Michelle Anderson Horgan. I'm just wondering if you have a daughter um, and your daughter marries some fella called O'Sullivan, would it become Anderson Horgan O'Sullivan? Are double barrels or triple barrels starting a trend that you can't control? But thank you. That's, that is a lovely name now. Michelle Anderson Horgan. 0818969696. Mentioned long COVID and that uh, Garraway, Kate Garraway and her husband Derek, that story, which is kind of the big celebrity long COVID story. But we do know ourselves of a lot of people here in Cork with, uh, with long COVID. One long standing press pack colleague of mine um, relative of his has long COVID. I spoke last year a couple of times with Tanya Bowalda who I know for many years down in Crosshaven she's still wrecked with long COVID and Avril how are you? Hi how are you? How are you today for example? Um, Today I'm not as bad as I was Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday so it's a good day to talk to you. Good. You got COVID in December of 2021 and was it initially a bad dose or what? Yeah, I got it um, the start of December 2021. Um, it wasn't um, like a lot of people, I think, who have long COVID. I, I, I didn't have a hugely severe illness. Um, I suppose how it affected me at the time, other than the temperature and whatever, was absolutely severe headaches that were... I've never experienced anything like the pain in my head, but that was my symptom. Yeah. Um, it didn't seem to affect my chest. It didn't seem to affect anything other than just a pain in my head that I've never experienced anything like. Joint pains? Were you stuck in the bed? I was stuck in the bed. I had a temperature. Um, I I couldn't I couldn't function because the the, the pain in my head. It was like. For all the world, it was like a knife going through oh. one specific part of my head every three seconds, 24-7 for nearly a week, a week or more. Um, it was put your head through the wall pain. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. It was shocking. Yeah, because my, my, my missus got COVID in December 2021 and she was fairly wrecked as well. Uh, it, it, yeah. it, it, it does, it can flatten you. So Christmas, I imagine, was ruined and then you went back to work when? Christmas was ruined, yeah. I went back to work towards the end of January um, and I suppose I went back. I, I would be, you know, the type of person I, I like my job. I It, it defines me as a person um, and I was pushing to get back. Um, so I, I went back the end of January convincing myself I'll be fine, I'll be fine if I push harder or whatever and um, that wasn't the case. I... Um, I, I found it very hard. I only lasted a week or two going back full time. The symptoms with the long COVID symptoms seemed to get worse. So I reduced my hours 
um, down to 21 from full time. Mm. Um, and then I think it was last summer I had to reduce them again from that down to 12. Okay. But even though I was reducing them, hoping to be able to hold on to a few hours sanity a week, it, it just wasn't working and it was worse I was getting. Now, the headache, I assume, went away. But what are the symptoms that make you unable to, to work? So the, the the symptoms, the long COVID symptoms, I suppose the worst one is is the the chronic tiredness. Um, and as I I say to a lot of people, you know, you say, oh, I'm very tired. Um, it, that doesn't really define what this is at all. I mean, th- there should be some other words that we can use. It's mm. it's absolutely life altering this tiredness. Um, you know, your eyes are closing when you're in conversation sometimes with oh. with somebody, which is a terrible thing to happen um you know something simple like coming downstairs to make a cup of tea or having a shower or trying to dry my hair and i'm 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 asleep afterwards yeah. it's just it has taken away my life chronic fatigue and, and, and that's is what they call it that's the technical term for chronic, chronic fatigue. fatigue but even the term chronic fatigue it to somebody who doesn't know anybody with long covid chronic fatigue sounds so yeah, she's a bit tired, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> it it doesn't yeah. it it doesn't really show how bad it is. Um, well, it's you just summed it up absolutely there. Absolutely flooring. The effort flooring. of getting out of bed, going downstairs, making a cup of tea, and bringing it back yeah. up. You need to go to sleep again. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it, it seemed to affect my arms and my hands as well. So something like trying to wash my hair. Um, that that's huge effort. Um, and, and funnily enough, even something like going up the stairs, it's not affecting my legs. It's affecting my arms and my hands. It just seems to be my arms and my hands where, you know, the weakness is showing through. Um, but, you know, walking up the stairs and my arms and my fingers are tingling. And it's really? it's just so many different symptoms. And it, it plays with your mind because I, d- I think you doubt yourself so yeah. much. I did you know? talk to someone about a similar set of symptoms before in the early days when we were talking about long COVID first which would have been late 2020 I spoke to someone yeah. and she said that when she was in the shower she had first of all had to get a chair to go into the yes. shower a special chair and then she'd have to wash her hair let the lather sit and, and just sit there until she got the strength back in her hands to rinse it out yeah, yeah. No. Um, I, I have a, a stool now in the shower as well. And I, it was it was Maria, the occupational therapist in the Mercy Hospital, recommended it. And I suppose I, I didn't understand at the time I was saying, but sure, why do I have to sit on a stool? It's not my legs. It's my it's my arms that are affected. But I didn't realise it was the exertion through any part of my body just seemed to materialise through my arms. And um so, so even by sitting sitting on the stool, it it does help slightly, definitely. Is, yeah. Is yeah. it that the power goes out of your hands and arms, or you just can't hold them up? Like, it's it's I can't hold them up. It's oh. just an unbelievable weakness, and then I seem to have kind of um, for all the world like shocks traveling down through my arms into my fingers and pins and needles. Um, it's 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 a very strange sensation. It's it's like your arms are too heavy for your your body. You're still you're um, still getting nearly. you're still getting headaches as well or migraines, are you? I'm still getting, and funnily enough, I'm only getting the migraine side of it, and the the chronic headaches are only since December. 
this yeah, year. Right. Um, and I suppose that's something that maybe people don't realise either is I got some form of a virus in December of this year, which would be a year into my long COVID. And um, it has had a terrible effect on me. And I have symptoms now in, in this year that I didn't have at the same time last year. Which, what are they? So whatever I had um, before Christmas, I had a temperature. I was doing COVID tests the whole time. They were all negative. Basically, it was just a temperature and feeling sick in bed. And since then, I have fierce problems with my headaches, with the the light sensitivity has got way worse. The noise sensitivity has got way worse. I feel my vision, um, dizziness, lightheaded. They've all been exasperated by whatever I, I had um, in December of this year. Someone who loves your job like you do, or, or did now, because mm. you're not working anymore now, are you? No, you can't. No, I'm out on illness now, okay. yeah. Like, you must miss your job terribly. You must miss going to getting up, doing normal, going to the cinema, going for a drive, going for a bite to eat, going to work. You must miss that, that yeah. terribly. It, it's just the ordinary things. Um, I mean, I, I'm, wor- I'm working in Crosshaven Carrigaline Credit Union. I, I love it. I love the people that I work with. I love my job. I love talking to people. Um it was something that I jumped out of bed in the morning and I enjoyed going to work. And I know I'm very lucky to be able to say that, mm. but um, that's gone. Um, as you said, you know, if I was to try and go for a cup of coffee with a friend, I, I know how much I need to recover even after doing that. And at the moment, in the last two months especially, uh, that hasn't been even an option. Mm. Um it's it's just it has taken away everything really you, you know um, and I suppose the, the effect that has on a person's mood on their mental health um, it, it it's shocking lying in a bed feeling that you can't live your life the way you wanted to and it's it's not even living your life to the extent of doing you know mad crazy things as you said it's like go to the cinema have a, have a stroll around town. Um, you know, go out for a few drinks or a meal at night, um, and 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 that's all gone. Simple place. So it's it's not just the person with long COVID. I suppose that's affected. It's it's their friends, it's their family, it's their loved ones, it's the people at home who are mm. trying to pick up the slack in the sense that they're not able to do. You know, they're not able to do the hoovering, the washing. They're not able to do anything, and yeah. it's it's affecting. You know, the wider circle and the ripple effect is huge. Have you, have you have you family? I I am living with my partner. My children are grown up. Um, my youngest is in college in the Netherlands, and my two boys are living in the city. So, you know, thank God I have somebody who's who's there. Um, Can you imagine trying to, to manage a few smallies? The stage you're in. Well, you know, I mean, I suppose um, through the Mercy Hospital, I um, I attended a, as a group. Um, long COVID support group with Liam Quaid, the psychologist there, yeah. and, and made some very good friends. We're now in a WhatsApp group for long COVID, but a lot of them have younger children and a lot of them have small children. And my my heart absolutely goes out to them because I can't for one minute imagine how you could continue with with with, with long COVID and, and try to look after small children. It's just horrendous. Horrendous. That clinic in, in the Mercy, um, I remember when we started talking about long COVID first, Avril. Yeah. 
people began ringing up saying, will you stop scaremongering? Will you stop stirring stuff up? Will you just stop? And we kept mm-hmm. going with it because mm-hmm. J- Jack Lambert, the, the great Jack Lambert in Dublin yes. said to us, he'd spotted it. And yeah. we now know that the, the latest numbers are not far short of a quarter of a million people suffering from various yeah. extensive of long COVID. What happens with the clinic in the mercy? What can they do for you? Well, I suppose, you know, I must say the psychology side of it has been a lifesaver for me. Um, Those those Zoom groups, the one-to-one Zoom meetings, because I think, you know, if you're diagnosed with an illness, as horrific as it is, it's an illness, it's defined out there and people understand what it is you're going through. I think with long COVID, there's so much doubt, there's so much ignorance out there with regard to what it is or, you know, Asher couldn't be that bad. And I think trying to deal with all that side of things on top of the physical illness um, that you definitely need support. So, I mean, the Mercy Hospital and the, the psychologist and, and their long COVID group, oh my God, I, I I couldn't have got to where I am today without them. I really feel I couldn't. And the fact that I was able to, you know, be introduced to other people who were in the same boat, that in itself, you know, you don't feel that you're going mad. You don't feel you're imagining it. You don't feel, uh, cop yourself on and try harder and you'll be fine because it's that kind of an illness. It, it just plays with your head, you mm. know. I remember... Um, uh, people ringing me up here to say they had it, or at least they were fairly sure they had it. And what upset them most was people saying, oh, for goodness sake, would you get over yourself? It's just a cold. Yeah, yeah. Or, God, you look very well. And I know it's well meant, but, you know, you kind of nearly feel, oh, my God, you feel you're being doubted. And mm. I, I suppose God love us. People can't win either. <laughs> Do you know? But um, I don't, I don't it's, look it's, like death warmed I, I, up, so therefore I must be making it up. Yeah, yeah. It goes for so many things in life. Somebody might look good on the outside, but be it be it a mental thing or be it a physical thing or whatever inside, you know, they could be just crashing. Your your advice to us, I think, Avril, is look for for the most part. Um, I've been describing it as COVID being in the rearview mirror. It's not gone yet, by yeah. any manner of means, but it's in the rearview mirror. No. I think your advice your advice to everyone would be don't don't catch it if you can avoid it at all, because you don't know if you won't be the next person to end up like you. Well, that's it. And I mean, how many people out there, as Professor Jack Lambert called them, you know, the the walking wounded, they wouldn't have it to the same severity maybe as I have it, but they haven't felt right since they've had COVID. Um, You know, they could be continuing to work, but feel they have to go to bed earlier at night. And there's probably hundreds of thousands of people in that situation. And I suppose I got a a virus before Christmas. I still don't know what it was, um, but it exasperated all my symptoms. So like people should be so careful. I mean, with the lifting of masks and whatever, I I wouldn't go into a crowded space without a mask. And I don't know, will I ever go into a crowded space without a mask? Would you wear a mask in the shop now, Avril, if you were going shopping? I would, yeah, yeah, I would, I would. And I think especially um, lifting it in the hospitals is is, is just frightening. Really? Because that's where all the vulnerable people are. And, you know... We're the we're we're the tip of the iceberg. The people who are severe and know they have it, but how many people out there don't? And something small or some other virus or cold or flu, you know, could affect them. We don't know. I mean, 
the, the doctors don't know. Yeah, and and lastly, on that very point, don't know. You don't know, and I must. It must worry you terribly at night and other times, Avril. You don't know if this will ever go away. No, you don't. You don't. And um, I think partly, I suppose, in, in some sense, I've kind of shut down um, myself personally because I just can't deal with thinking about that, really. You mm. know, um, it, it's it's just a horrendous thought. Yeah. You know, the uncertainty of the future and feeling, you know, what if you never get your life back? Mm. Um, and I suppose, you know, as you said, you know, people are moving on and whatever. And, and I suppose I'm just saying that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who can't. Who can't. But I, I feel the government kind of have... I feel a bit forgotten if I'm honest about it, you? you know, um, I do, um, I, you know, there's an awful lot of things with, you know, cognitive issues with regard to, to long COVID and even something like trying to apply for a medical card or whatever. It's so daunting because you can't deal with it and you zone out and you're, you know, it, it, things like that, that people with long COVID find so hard and you just wonder, Nothing has been done for them by the government. There wasn't some kind of a medical card given to maybe long COVID patients. A lot of the recommended courses of action are alternative. Mm. Um, I know Professor Lambert's supplements, he's recommending, they're costing, yeah. one of them is 115 or something and the other is 45. Somebody on illness a benefit while they're out of work, they can't manage they can't that. Or that. he's recommending mushrooms. Um, people are talking about acupuncture, physio, oxygen treatment, but they're all outside the norm, um, yes. and they're not something that a person, you know, can 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 get unless they pay for them. Yeah. And, and and Jack's clinic has been closed now. Look at that. Sorry, Jack's clinic has been closed now. The matter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And I mean, Professor Jack Lambert was the most outspoken in the country he with was. regard to, to long COVID. But, he you know, he, he has he has various webinars and whatever up in line. And he's he is a very interesting man to listen to. Oh, but he's a great friend of this program. Kind of and his advice has always been very sage. Avril, thank you very much. I wish you well. And I hope that one day it does go away for you. And you probably need a rest now after talking to me. Um, so... Go get one if you need it. Thanks, Avril. 0818969696. COVID hasn't gone away. My 17-year-old daughter got it for the fourth time in 15 months, and she was so sick with it again. She's fully vaccinated, too. I dread the long-term impact for her. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 0833969696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. Yeah, a lot of calls now about long COVID and people suffering with various extents of it or knowing someone who have various extents of long COVID. Not as bad as Avril and maybe affecting them in different ways to Avril, but still not right since they got COVID maybe a year, two years, maybe right back down to nearly three years ago. And then Bernie messages, I've got to tiredness after having the vaccine and I've never been able to shake that off. 
I think there are long vaccine damage out there as well as long COVID. I've met a pile of people who've said the same. They say terrible tiredness since the vaccine. Thanks, Bernie. I remember the tiredness after getting the vaccine. Not so much the, the first one as the second one. I remember going home. It was during the snooker uh, World Snooker Championships and I was going home to watch a snooker match and I got my vaccine, my second dose, on the way home. And I was absolutely flattened. Completely missed the snooker match. Um, on double-barreled names, and, and whether you do or whether you don't t- take your husband's name, or I, I know there are wives out there whose husbands have taken their name. And then the double barrel. Elaine says, PJ, I got married last year, took my husband's name. We've three children who all have only my husband's name on their birth certs. So I was the odd one out. So the main reason was to take his name so that we would have to share just the one family name. And at parent-teacher meetings, etc. I was always referred to by my husband's or kid's surname anyway, says Elaine. Well, with regard to their names, Elaine, there's no compulsion upon them to be given their father's name either. They can choose whatever name they want or you can give them. You can choose your, your husband and you can decide which name to give them. There's none of this is... Anyway, legal. Back in the day when dowries were prevalent, um, this might upset some people, but there were dowries in this country, um, and and not a million years ago either. You know, marry my daughter, and there's a patch of land there. That, that's what it was, and it, it happened. And I know people it happened too. You know, marry my daughter, and there's a patch of land. Uh, the groom essentially had to buy his bride from her father or relevant guardian. Okay, usually with the help of his father. So while there was no legal necessity to do it, it was expected the bride would take the groom's surname, ensuring the continuation of the family name. The tradition stuck after the paying of a dowry died out, says Noel. Yeah, Noel, I know where you're coming from there. That if he married in and she had the farm and whatever, and she, the farm name of that. Yeah, I get that. I get that. that yeah. Yeah. But there was never a law there. Some people thought it was like the, the the stupid idea that we had here for decades that when a woman in the civil service anyway, and I think a lot of private sector business did it too, when a woman in the civil service got married, she had to quit. She had to quit her job. It was called the marriage ban or the marriage bar, and an awful lot of that went on for years too. But you'd be amazed the number of people who think they have or thought they had to take their husband's name. They never did. Uh, 0818969696 and the double barrels as well <laughs> double barrels oh god I, I just find them funny some of them I find them if you don't mind me saying so you probably do mind me saying so but I'm going to say it anyway I find some of them desperately pretentious I really really do do you know on NCT Jerry was on haven't had an NCT comment in, the, in a while Jerry was on he says my NCT expired in November and I got it there during the week, passed it with flying colours, but they'd only give me a six-month NCT. Yeah, yeah, we've been down this road before, Jerry. But sure, you've only just tested it, you said. Yep. Yeah. If the NCT becomes due today, let's imagine your NCT becomes due today. This is what? What date is today? 21st of, of April. So your NCT is due on the 21st of April. It doesn't matter whether you can get seen tomorrow or... Whether they get, don't get seen until November. 
your NCT date will be 21st of April. So if you are due today and you can't get seen, you can't get tested until July, August, September, October, you'll still date the cert back till today. That's that's how it works. It's a pain in the neck, but that is how it works. 0818 Now, you may have seen uh, the Upfront program with Katie Hannon a couple of Monday night weeks, a couple of Monday nights ago, where they were discussing the Women of Honour campaign. And on that program, there was an interview with Rosalind O'Callaghan, a former uh, soldier um, who has described being raped when she was just 21 years of age and she was a, a private in the army and she was raped while she was on her first tour of overseed, overseas duty. And Rosalind gave an emotional interview with Katie Hannon on the television. She's from Cork. Um, gave, gave an interview, a very emotional interview, a very powerful interview, which I've watched a couple of times now, about how it all happened and the investigation that was or wasn't carried out and, and why she decided to speak out as part of the Women of Honour campaign. Um, I'm delighted to say that uh, Rosalind O'Callaghan joins me now uh, to chat a little bit more about this. And uh, Rosalind, it's it's good to have you on the opinion line this morning. Good morning, Pigeon. Thank you for having me on. It's a very brave decision you made to go on the television with Katie a couple of weeks ago. You first spoke about this in confidence maybe two years ago. What prompted you to waive your anonymity now? Well, PJ, um, I suppose I can truly say I was never invisible or nameless, but I was silent in the group because I, because when I reported what uh, when I that I was raped in nineteen ninety eight, I was Roslyn, Private Roslyn O'Callaghan, but I suppose. To answer your question, why have I come forward now, I suppose, and not back two years ago, was shame was a big reason, PJ, um, why I did not reveal my experience of rape. Um, I suppose now, however, PJ, I have found, I suppose I've found in myself the moral courage and the bravery to tell my story. And I have the support of a lot, a lot of people um, known to me and unknown to me. And I have the support of my husband. I have the support of my family. And I have the support of the Women of Honour PJ. Yeah, and they're an impressive bunch of people. I've had the opportunity to speak to a number of them. They are an incredible, brave bunch of women who've had their own um, experiences um, in the military and um, we're we're good friends now. Yeah, we're 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 a good team. Rosalind, you always wanted to be in the army. I think that's fair to say that. So so we'll start there. What what attracted you to military life first? Yeah, um, I've been around military people since I was born. PJ, I come from um, a very proud military family. Um, my mother's father, my grandfather, and two uncles served in the army, based in. Ballon College and um, 
we're going back a while here now, but uh, I suppose the military for me was a traditional place. You felt a natural draw to it. it. Oh, it was, yeah, ever since I was from the age of nine, I always wanted to be like my grandfather and my uncles, you know, and of course my mother and my father and my, my grand my, my nana and, you know, my aunts were like, this one, like, so nine years of age, wants to join the army, you know. But I did it. I did. I I, 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 I did it. I um, I didn't go for cadetship. I went uh, for uh, uh, as a recruit, and I did the training. And um, and you loved it. I loved it. Yeah, no, it wasn't easy. Mm. Believe me, it was not easy because um, we would have been the second platoon where there was women. Um, in '98, and and there wasn't many of us. Um, but we women served for the same reasons as men. You know, um, PJ, for example. You know, it was a patriotic duty. It was a family tradition. Um, it was steady paycheck, and at the end of it, there was a pension after 21 years. So, so there you were, young, new to the forces. Your your dream job, doing what you'd always wanted to do since you were a little girl. And then you went overseas and I think what happened happened at a party was or after the party. You'd had too much to drink, as any young person can. Your colleagues, I think, brought you back to the base. And what happened after that? What do you remember after that? So we came back in uh, in a Sisu. So what a Sisu is, PJ, is a large armoured vehicle that carries troops in the back of it. So I remember getting really, really sick into my issued Green Army bag. It's a small Green Army bag. I was so, so sick because I actually can't hold alcohol when I'm drunk. I I do get really, really ill. And... You know, I get, as they call it, the helicopter spins and the room was going around, everything was going around and I just couldn't stop vomiting. So anyway, we we disembarked from the Sisu. I remember the girls holding me up. I remember thinking, oh no, I'm going to be in big trouble in the morning because, uh, you know, of my condition. Anyway, I was brought to my um, quarters and by the girls, my friends, and they couldn't open my bedroom door because there was a there was always a fault with the key and I was the only one that could manage to open the key, the lock. They couldn't that night and they were trying to, you know, look after me at the same time, keep me up. So directly across from my room, not even two, three feet directly across the corridor, um, I was put into my friend's room and... Um, I'm told that I was put to bed fully clothed and with my shoes, uh, my my footwear taken off. Just to let you sleep it off. It happened to it could happen to anybody. You had too much yeah, to I drink, and they put you away yeah. to sleep it off. Yeah, and and I was safe, and they all left me, and the girl that I that um that whose room I was in you know, made sure I was okay as well. And she decided that she would go to the closest bunker. So what a bunker is, is that where it's an underground shelter where you go if you come under fire or come under attack. And there's phones in there where you can phone. Well, there's one phone that you can phone home. 
So she she was phoning her family, and um, I don't know how long she was in there. Um, What's the next thing you remember? Um, I remember waking up um, to a man on top of me and kissing me. And I can remember my bottom clothing being taken off, my shorts being taken off, and my underwear being taken off. And I remember then this man having sex, this man raping me. He he would have known that you were in no condition to consent to anything. I was completely intoxicated, PJ. Um, I, I was completely out of it due to drinking alcohol, and I'll, I'll admit that. I was 21 years of age. Um, I was young. Um, the perpetrator knew this as he saw what condition I was in. Did you know him? I knew him to see. Mm-hmm. I knew him as a senior non-commissioned officer. I knew him from working in the camp, but I did not know him personally I know or what on you mean. a personal level. I know what you mean. Because I was a private, so a private is the lowest, lowest rank and then a private. You do not associate yourself with a higher rank, you know? A senior NCO would be so far, far removed from, from private, you, you, you'd, you'd pass each other in the yard and, and they might issue yes. an order. That'd be the level of it, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's it, PJ. When you woke up the following morning, what did you remember or did you remember anything? Um, I was aware. No, I wasn't aware. I was unsure of what happened. But I was trying to piece together what I could actually remember. But... I knew my situation was suspicious and I suspected that I may have been raped. And then I quickly realised I was raped. Um, um, but before, I suppose before that, I woke up and I, I was naked from my stomach down and my brass strap had been opened and my white top was still on and I looked around the room and I was kind of not in a a healthy position you know and you you knew something was terribly wrong yeah and I saw my friend she I was in her bed so she was on the ground and I put her bathrobe on me and I went across to my room and bloody head couldn't I open the lock you know and I went in and uh, all thoughts were going through my head did that happen am I right uh, you know am I imagining this no I'm not imagining it and uh, what am I going to do could I you know happens if I'm pregnant uh, where do I go how, 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 how do I report this you must have been terrified. Were you, is that, was terrified, is that a fair description? 
Yeah, uh, terrified, uh, unsure what to do. Will I report it? Won't I report it? But he's wrong, I'm not. You did report it. And I did. I reported it straight away. I went to two superior officers, yes. And I think that initially you felt they treated you well. They treated me very well. They did. They were very uh, understanding. Um, I had to explain my what the circumstances. And the female officer said, Roslyn, do you want to name him? And I said, I have to name him. Uh, you know, and she said, you know, I need to say this and you probably don't want to hear it or else you probably realise it. Rosalind, you have been raped. And that's and that's when when someone else says it to you, you know, because you've told them what had happened. And the light went out, PJ. Yeah. The light went out. And my soul left my body. And I I think I, I was in a state of shock. Um, I, I, I like I struggled from then on in yeah you named him and there was a disciplinary hearing correct okay so um, I initially had to go off base to civilian hospital because <laughs> they weren't prepared uh, for my situation, they had no rape kit on the base, so I had to be. It had to be planned, and of course, as you know, as as any rape victim, um, time of is of essence when it comes to you know um, what what sort I'm looking evidence, for for evidence, for evidence yeah. you know, for physical evidence. Um, so I had to be taken off and taken to a local hospital because they didn't have the rave kit on the base. And I was sedated for that journey, but I, I kind of still remember it. it was an awful journey. And um, that's another degrading part um, for any woman to go through is. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That test, you know, all those tests, those swabs, you know, um, those photographs. Um, so the medical evidence came back um, negative. There was no physical injury. But you must remember, PJ, I wasn't able to fight. I was... Uh, I described it as, as I knew something was happening, but I couldn't fight and I couldn't stop him. Uh, I I described it. This is typically a very superstitious person, so I I describe it as um, an out of body experience. I, I felt there was someone, an angel, someone looking over me, telling me, "Rosalind, wake up! There is absolute just something happening to you. Wake up!" Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I couldn't fight, I couldn't stop him. And uh, I was helpless. I was helpless in the bed. I was, he took over control. He knew, he knew my vulnerability and he knew that uh, I was going to be his target. Um, I think he left the room and I think he came back and I remember him saying, Ross, 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 I just want to talk to you, please. Yeah. Oh, so he tried to speak to you afterwards? Yes, yeah, I remember that, yes. I told him, go away, leave me alone, in a raised voice, leave me alone. He he was never really disciplined, was he? The army will say, uh, the military Department of Defence, Defence Forces, will say that a thorough investigation was carried out and that... Uh, there was no evidence to suggest that uh, this man had raped me. I disagree with that. I still disagree with that. I will always disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Rosalind, I want to take a, a short break at, at that point. Um, I know we've more to talk about. We want to talk about the investigation. Um, there was a disciplinary hearing too. We'll talk about that. Um I want to look a bit more about how it affected you because it affects you to this day. I can hear it in your voice. Your whole family is affected right up to the present day. Something else as well that you have also revealed is that this man who attacked you later went on to attack somebody else and that she contacted you to to tell you about it. So we've all that to get through yet. I'm talking to Rosalind O'Callaghan, one of the women of honour. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You made me feel... You can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day. And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise. So get planning now. Get planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You made you made me feel... Only on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818-969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. 
FM. So I'm talking to Rosalind O'Callaghan, a member of the Women of Honour, who was raped when she was a young soldier. She was only 21 years of age. She was raped on an overseas trip back in 1998. And uh, I want to go back to the investigation, Rosalind, such as it was at the time, because you, you don't have any faith in it, do you? I feel that the investigation has been flawed since the start. Um, I put my hand up. I reported it. And the day of the disciplinary action, a few weeks later, I was marched in in front of the colonel. And I was stood right beside him, Peter. There wasn't even a foot, half a foot between us. Right beside the man who had raped you. Yes. <sighs> yeah. And um, the colonel was just about to proceed with the, the charges. And I said, sir, I need to say something. And I said, sir, that man, and I pointed at him, I, that man raped me. And the colonel said, that is not the issue, Private O'Callaghan. That is not the issue. That is not the issue here. Would you like a seat to sit down? And I said, no. And he says, you can go. You can be, you know, you're dismissed. And uh, I went out the door and I broke down into the female officer's arms. And I said, "I, I, I need to go home. I want to go home. I can't take any more. That is not the issue here. That's not the issue here. There was going to be no rape charges. Not that, not that it didn't happen. I know it happened. But there was no evidence to, to suggest that that man raped me. So he was charged. He was charged for being in a female's room and engaging in sexual conduct with a with a private and he was fined three days pay of £175 and given a severe reprimand. Now a severe reprimand really meant nothing PJ because I was told that he went back overseas maybe a year and a half, two years later. Yeah, I'll, I'll, come, I'll come back to that because he did it again I think you found out later but you you came back home you went to yes. the guards and with the best will in the world they couldn't do anything. Why? No. Um, I gave a full statement in, to the to the guards in, in the West Cork Division and because it happened outside of the Irish jurisdiction nothing could be done with this man. Even though I was representing the Irish military and the UN. And and I always thought, Rosalind, and from my limited knowledge of things military, that an overseas base is deemed Irish soil. Yes. Am I right I, there? But yes, yes. Well, I would say you're right. I would say I'm right. But the legal system doesn't say we're right. The man who did this to you went back, like you said, to overseas service. You You found out since that he later attacked someone else. 
Yes, in 2016, I was contacted by another lady who served in the military um, to say that she had been raped by the same individual who raped me in similar circumstances. I was actually devastated. I felt tremendous guilt for this lady. I felt responsibility for her because her life is ruined now as well. And not only that, but if I had been taken seriously, no, the military would say I was taken seriously, mm-hmm. but I wasn't. No. Now that the Women of Honour report is out, Roslyn, and, and I read it, what I was able to read of it, it's stomach-churning stuff, and I say that as a layman and as someone who's read a few shocking reports in my time. It's stomach-churning stuff. What are you hoping, and what are the other Women of Honour hoping will happen now? There have been calls, for example, for files and reports to be handed to Gardaí that new investigations might start. Do you think there's any hope justice will be done for anybody? Well, offenders need to be held to account by a strong and effective justice system, PJ. Um, I can tell you, uh, through the FOI, I looked for my investigation file and I was refused on what grounds it's your file? They just didn't give it to me, PJ. They said, um, not granted. I've uh, I've had a hard tw- 23, 24 years, PJ. I've had two suicide attempts, which I'm not proud of. Um, but I was in a dark, dark place in my life. I don't think anybody would blame you for a moment. Um, I I now have severe PTSD, but I'm managing it at times. Um, but I'm living for my kids. I'm living for my children. And I'm living to give them the best life that I can. Are they old enough to understand what happened to mom? Yes, I have a 19-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old or 16-year-old son and um they're the two, and I have a seven-year-old daughter, but the older two are the kids that would have seen the effects of the trauma throughout the years because I suffered in silence. They saw the pain, but they never knew what was wrong with me. Of course. I could never enjoy the simple things in life with them, PJ. I barely remember... Their upbringing, even though they, I gave them and my husband gave them a fabulous upbringing, but I was a very numb person. Like when it came to Halloween, I couldn't enjoy Halloween. When it came to Easter, I couldn't enjoy Easter with them as the little, you know, when it came to uh, Christmas, you know, I was just, I was just there showing a brave face, but I couldn't give them that enjoyment. All of those things were robbed from you and therefore from them. Yes, Exactly. Like I was disor- disorientated from everything. I was. I, I just felt hopeless, PJ. There's, there's no justice system can give you that back. No, I must say, um, I got 
help from the West Cork Mental Health Services. I have to say that I have been looked after since the first day I I met with them and I can't thank them enough. I can't thank my my therapist enough. Um, I spent nearly four years with them on a weekly basis. Rosalind, to finish, um, first of mm. all, may I say that you're an extraordinarily strong human being um, to be able to do this and to come out and speak publicly. Have you taken... I'm looking for a word here. Have you taken any satisfaction from finally having spoken in public? I have, because I've... I hope I can encourage other survivors, other victims to come forward, PJ to know that you're not alone, that your truth will be heard, we will be believed. And see, this is about victims' voices to be heard and they need to know that they don't have to suffer in silence anymore and that anybody can contact me in any way they can and I will listen. But I hope that the public statutory inquiry will start the process of healing for the persons who have suffered within the Defence Forces system, PJ. It has been a privilege to hear your story, Rosalind. Thank you. Thank you, PJ. Thank you. And I hope I hope um I hope I can help other people out there. I think you have done just by speaking to us. We have a voice, PJ. Mm-hmm. We cannot be silenced and we need to be listened to. You have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, PJ. God bless. Thanks, Rosalind. Some story, isn't it? Uh, 0818969696. And she's just one of the many women of honour who are finally telling their stories of what happened to them during their service in the Defence Forces. And look, there are many, many great people involved in our Defence Forces. There always were, there are, and there always will be. But the idea of this Women of Honour movement is to root out... Cork's 96FM is the official media partner of Cove Ramblers FC. This Friday night, Cove Ramblers take on Treaty United at St. Coleman's Park. Kickoff is 7.45pm. The Street Fleet will be there supporting the team. So bring the family for a great night of football and fun. Tickets, see coveramblers.ie. With Cork's 96FM. Mary Quilly at the Sexual Violence Centre. I know that you, we, our, our time is short and I appreciate you taking our call. I want to talk about the new statistics that came out during the week um, initially, but but listening to Rosalind, Mary, what a story. What a, what a powerful story. It's shocking, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, but it's, it's amazing to see people coming out and speaking about the abuse that's happened and having the courage just to kind of say enough is enough. I mean, they're the people that are making the changes in the centre here. We're just kind of helping people through their life, but they're the people making the changes. And, you know, I think, you know, when I hear people like her, that gives me the impetus to keep going. Yeah, yeah. These numbers are are scary. They came out from the CSO. One in five women, Mary, have experienced non-consensual sexual intercourse. That's new figures from the CSO. Shocking. 
to read them in the paper, but for you, not overly surprising. Not surprising at all, but really disappointing. I mean, there was a, as you know, there was a savvy report brought out 20 years ago, um, Sexual Violence in Ireland report, which mm-hmm. showed that one in five had been raped, and it showed that one in five girls and one in seven boys as children had been abused. And I would have really hoped, you know, my my hope in my heart was all the time was, well, back then the whole issue of institutional abuse was just coming to the fore, but all that is kind of nearly behind us and I had hoped that figures would be changed especially around you know children being abused and adults being abused and they say 40% of all adults have been abused in our lifetime like we need a wake up call because this is Ireland and we're saying one in every two people in this country have been raped or abused and the majority women I mean I know there's 50% of women um, and 34% of men have been abused in our lifetime and I wish I also wish they used this language they use language and I know um, Helen McGrath out in the CSO, she did amazing work over the past five years. Um, but the language that's been used is very... Um, Statistical, say? Not, we say? Yeah, it is, it is. You know, when they use the words like non-consensual sex, you know, to do with children or to do with adults, I'm sure that's the language you had to use. But I'd really love everybody to have a look at the stats and see, as a society, what are we going to do about it? Because it is shocking. It is shocking. It's shocking, but... Maybe if you look kind of sideways at the figures, Mary, what you see is not so much there's more of it happening, it's that more people are talking, and that can only be a good thing. Absolutely. I mean, I think they reckoned um, less men are kind of speaking out than women, but people are speaking out. And the difference I find in the centre here in the past year is that more people who are telling us that they're speaking out, they're being believed by their families. Whereas before, 20 years ago, they weren't believed. It was kind of you were just making it up or that young lad wouldn't do this to you. Um, especially to do it, I find, with young people who are raped by somebody they know and 80% of them know who raped them. Often the family and the friends and the colleagues would say, ah, oh, that lad wouldn't do it. He's not like that. He's a very quiet guy. He wouldn't do it. I think we forget that the perpetrator um, who are in the minority, because as you know, the majority of men are appalled by this, but the perpetrator doesn't just groom the um, person he's going to abuse, but he grooms everybody around him. So they believe that he's not capable of this. It's like... You know, the way you meet women or you meet families or you meet parents and they'll kind of say, my daughter said this happened to her friend or we know people it's happened to who've been raped. But anytime I meet people and I talk about their sons, it's like, you know, my son or his friends would never do this. Now, hopefully their sons would never do it. I'm sure they wouldn't. And that's their belief. But one of their friends is doing it because, you know, these women aren't raping themselves and these young men aren't raping themselves. So that's the kind of wake-up call we need. I just think it's so disappointing and so frustrating. Um, it is the great skill of the predator, isn't it, too, Mary? To hide totally, in plain sight. Totally ma- to hide in plain and totally sight. manipulate people and totally be so friendly. And especially the perpetrator who's abusing within the family, he'll be the real nice guy. He'll be the guy who's coming out, could be more helpful. He's the guy who's supporting the young man who he's abused, you know, pretend supporting him, that people will kind of say um, he's the only person who's standing by it and now you're accusing him of abusing you. They're so manipulative, they're so cunning. Um, but I think if we keep the conversation going in Irish society and especially in Cork and keep talking to our daughters and our mothers and our sisters and our brothers and our fathers because we have a quite a high number of men coming in in the 40s and 50s who I think during COVID um, things really come up for them and they're coming in which is really great and I think that's because we keep talking and we keep saying there's no shame we do enough is enough but right now you're the important one and please come in and talk to us or talk to your family or talk to someone
And lastly, Mary, for people like uh, Roslyn, who's just been talking to there this morning, the rest of us, the rest of society, what can we do for them? What they've been through, nobody can put that right, but what can we do for them? No, but we can keep pushing for changes. We can p- keep pushing pushing for the reports they want and the investigations we want instead of just sitting back. I'm not saying people sit back, but sometimes, you know, you could have somebody there who'd say, I'm only one person here at home listening to the radio. My voice means nothing. It means a hell of a lot. If we all got involved, if we all spoke to our TDs, if we all insisted on ABC happening or whatever, you know, Rosalind wants done, your voice matters more than you think. And I think that's how we're, we're kind of left powerless because there's so many people out there who hate injustice and want to do something something and I just want them to know their voice counts Absolutely. Mary, thank you uh, Continue as always the great work that you do at the Sexual Violence Centre, that's Mary Crilly Those statistics out from the CSO very kind of statisticised so they look less awful than they are when they're written down, but uh, awful they are. 0818969696 listening to Rosalind, I'm just crying for her, says Rose what a strong and courageous woman says Helen my heart goes out to her. I know how she feels, says Deirdre. Just listening to that brilliant interview, surely you have found the name for the new bridge. It should incorporate brave people and the people who fight their cause. The Crilly Bridge of Hope or the Crilly Bridge of Courage. That's a good one, isn't it? That is a good one. There's a, Some people want to call it Vernon Mount Bridge. There was other... Bri- Mary Crilly Bridge of Courage. Yeah, Mary Crilly Bridge. Now there's me a name. She killed me for even thinking it, but there you go. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call 96FM. An hour away to the weekend. An hour left until the weekend. I see, you know what, the snooker there that we get the updates, delighted to see that second round underway because that's when the real grudge matches will start and there's one today and if you've, even if you're not a big snooker fan uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan against Hussein Vafai that is the grudge match of this entire tournament these guys used to be friends they used to practice together, they used to play together they now, for some inexplicable reason hate to live inside the one mother so that's going to be fun they're playing in the second round looking forward to that one 0818 96 96 96 the number text or whatsapp 083 396 96 96 we'll have you a chance to win tickets for Rod Stewart live at the marquee before we quit today I also I'm going to talk to a woman in a minute who doesn't own a kettle she's 28 and she does not own a kettle uh, I don't know how anyone lives without having a kettle to make coffee or tea with, but but, the, but there you go. And how does she make a lemsip if she needs a lemsip? We'll find out in in a while. And also returning to uh, names, double barrel, single barrel, do you take your husband's name, did he take yours? That's all coming as well before we finish up for the weekend. But I want to talk to Dermot Usher, the uh, new owner of Cork City Football Club. We talked to him after he... Uh, did the takeover there a few months back. Um, and now, Dermot, you've got some new ideas to bring the community back into the club. I mean, there where you are in Tornus Cross of a Friday night, such a great place to to bring a community event in and make every match a community event. Uh, and you've been getting ideas from the local 
people as to what they want. Morning. Hi, BJ. How are you? Great to be on the show again. Good. Great to have you. You really want to build every home fixture at Turner's Cross into a huge community night. Yeah, I think that that's what it has to be, and I think it's not just about the football. Obviously, that that that's that's the that's the entertainment that's on show, but it really is. It's a night out for people. It's a community thing. It's friends. It's family. Uh, that's how I got involved, uh, especially on the family side with myself. With going going to League of Ireland matches, the excitement of going to your first game, uh, being so close to the action, and that it's going to the live event is just so far more different than watching something on TV. It's a really really Good, good product. And like we've a game tonight now against Derry, who would be one of the you know the the teams uh, that people a lot of people would think might win might win the league this year. Uh, it's going to be really competitive. We had a great game against them a few weeks ago, um, and we'd love to see as many people as we can on the cross tonight. There's a long and friendly, to be fair, rivalry between the two clubs uh, going back for many many years. So it's always a great occasion. Absolutely. Are you coming tonight, PJ? I unfortunately I can't. <laughs> But I would. I, I went. I oh, went well. to the Brandywell a few times on the bus. So okay. it's a great night. It's a great day out. And, and okay. Okay. You know, I used to commentate on the, on the Der- report on the Derry games back in the day. So what are you doing to bring people to the matches and bring the club to the people, as it were? I think that there's a slow, steady incline as regards what we're trying to do. I suppose the messaging that's been going out recently um, has been very much around the the business community in particular, starting off that there's a whole, there's a lot of great, great companies, you know, led by probably, you know, our lead sponsors, Brian O'Sullivan, Zeus Packaging, a Corkman, who's been extremely successful. Um, they've got on board with the club and there's, there's UCC ever been a really, really loyal sponsor over the years. So we're starting with the, with, with, with the, on the, the commercial side with probably a whole series of events have just been launched. We launched uh, yesterday, the, there's a couple of golf days. There's one in uh, Fort Island on the 16th of August. There's another one on the 26th of June in the K Club as well, which is uh, I'm trying to bring Cork City out 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 of Cork as well, um, and I think there's, there's definitely a market for that. We've also just uh, tied down uh, an end of season black tie ball, which is a first for the club, which is going to be held on November 17th yeah. in the Metro Hotel. I, I love so, that idea actually, where you you can you have to dress in black tie, but you can wear whatever you want on your feet. You can wear football boots, like. Well, that's the whole idea. And look, I'd like to think that there's a lot of fun in what we're trying to do. Uh, we'd like to think there's a lot of fun at attending matches as well. And that's hopefully people are entertained by what we're trying to do on the pitch. And obviously results, you know, it's results and performance on the pitch, what people want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the, the more people that come to games, the better the atmosphere, uh, the more. And I'd really love people to come along and experience. If you haven't been, there's a really, really, really fantastic game going to go on tonight. And I'd love to see people at that. What's been a big, well, it is a big tradition across the water, not just in the Premier League clubs, but if you go to the lower league clubs like Leighton Orient, I've been a fan for, for many years. There's a whole, on a match day, there's a meal, there's a pre-match event. You're going to start trying doing that? Yeah, I think later on towards the season, um, we're going to look at doing, doing, doing something like that. And again, just to try and get as many people involved. And just to... It just to change the the match day experience. There's there's lots of people go to matches for lots of different reasons, and you know some people just like to go to the match and go straight home. Some people might meet their friends for a drink beforehand. Some people might get something to eat beforehand with their family, and then there's 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 the thing of well, what can we do and how can we increase 
I suppose, our level of performance with the community as well and offer something uh, as well to the business, but also to the people that go to the matches, just something a little bit different than what they have been getting up until now. Uh, I think we've got a fantastic stadium. We've got brand new lights. The MFA have been have put some money really behind the ground now. Um, mm. It's really starting to, to take shape. Uh, they've been great to work with since I've come in as well. So, no, it's it's all been very, very, very positive so far. Yeah, the, the lights look absolutely brilliant. Um, I, yeah, I make a massive difference. They're, yeah. they're fabulous. To bring up the situation on the pitch at the moment, Dermot, which I kind of yeah. have to do, it's it's not where you'd like to be uh, this this stage in the season. It's a bit of a struggle so far. How do you feel about where it's going to go? Yeah, but like we're we're a quarter of the ways into 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 the season. Um, I think we're a newly promoted side with the majority of the squad be made up of the squad that that did so well last year. Mm. Um, I think you know we were a little bit behind as regards being able to sign players because of the takeover. Um, so you know it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a level of performance uh, which I think we can we can do better. I think as as a team on the pitch. Um, but I have absolutely no doubt that the commitment is there mm. from Colin from the players. I'm, I was down there yesterday. Great atmosphere. You know amongst everybody there. So look, we have to look forward as positive as we can Indeed. to try try and keep things going. Yeah. Well, our Trevor from the score, who knows infinitely more about football than I ever will, has said to me. Yeah, Page, they've still got it. It it just has to shine sometimes. Exactly, and look, we're we're only a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, there's a good few battles ahead. Tonight's going to be a really good game, uh, and then we've got a couple of away games coming up against uh, Shells next Friday and uh, Bows uh, next Monday. Mm. But then it's not just about the men either. The, obviously, the women's side of the game yes. is doing really, really well. Uh, Danny Murphy's done a fantastic job there, and that's very much. Uh, you know the with the women's end of it is very much a community based uh, work in progress. Uh, the, the ladies have bought into what we're trying to do uh, as a club, and that it's very much uh, you know girls have been selected. We're not trying to bring in uh, ladies from outside. It's very much from Cork based players, whether that would be from living college um, whatever so it's a very much a community effort there and although for example you know we got beaten by 2-1 last last weekend by P-Mount the level of performance was absolutely taken on a notch we've an away game against Atlone tomorrow and then we've a home game next Saturday against Bowes so that that's there's huge progress there and you know anybody under 16s can get into that game for, for free of charge so there's really no excuse for you know on a family on a Saturday the match in turn Cross usually take place about five o'clock. It's a fantastic opportunity at very little cost uh, as an adult only about ten euro to get into the game, and it's great entertainment. I know the, the you know the the, the performance from, from last Saturday was absolutely top notch. All the packages and plans for the future are on the website. Uh, wish you well, Dermot. We'll talk again throughout the course of the season. And I, if if Trevor says to me it's still there and they've still got it. We'll him. be fine. We will be fine. Just let's let's get a little bit of faith behind what we're trying Absolutely. to do and uh, let's get people supporting us, okay? Good on you. Dermot Usher, thank you very much. The owner of Cork City Football Club and all those packages and all those new ideas of his. He, the man who oozes positivity. Uh, CorkCityFC.ie 
Uh, all the information is there. 0818-96-96-96. Cork's 96FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. Do it now with Cork's 96FM. Also, before we finish today, do you ever pass a skip outside someone's house and look into it and go, I'd like that. Do you ever have something taken out of a skip that you were filling and you're thinking, why on earth would anybody want that? Remember when we bought our house back in 2004, we filled a skip and a half out of it and you wouldn't believe what people came and purloined out of the skip to make use of themselves. I'll come back to it. 0818 96 96 96. It was browsing my Sunday Times last weekend and this headline caught my eye. I'm 28 and I don't own a kettle. And I'm thinking, Charlotte Ivers, how do you live? Good morning. Good morning. Um, you don't own a kettle. Well, you know what? I do own a kettle, but it's been broken for 18 months. So one of the main things people have been saying to me, apart from don't you drink tea, which I don't, is why haven't you got rid of it? And I don't really have an answer for that, apart from I just don't notice it anymore. But the reason I don't own a kettle and the thing I was writing about is that I get all of my coffee in takeaway cups. I live in a tiny little flat in the centre of London and there isn't really much space in it. I don't really spend any time there. Mm. And I have a fair bit of disposable income because I've got a professional job. It doesn't stretch to buying a nice big house, but what it does stretch to is nice little things like spending three pounds on a coffee. And so in a way, the kettle sort of became a bit of a metaphor in my head for a very specific type of life, a very specific way that a lot of young people in mm. cities live. And I suppose the way that I live as well. Yeah. Your, your your apartment, flat, whatever you call it, is, is literally just a place you come to sleep and to rest. And that's pretty much it. Exactly. I probably have people over for dinner maybe twice a year. I very rarely spend any time there by myself. I live alone, which is great. A lot of my friends haven't got the ability to do that. They have lots of flatmates. And I did have a New Year's Eve party, but to be honest, it was a bit of a mess. It was pretty cramped. I probably won't be repeating that one anytime soon. And because of where you live, are you close to public transport? Like you don't need to own a car? Exactly. I'm about two minutes walk from a tube station. Everything's very close. I don't own a car. I can't actually drive. And of course, if I lived outside of a major city, I absolutely would have to drive. And I'm not very good at it. That's why I can't. But the last time I tried was about five years ago. And I haven't really felt the need to try again since because it hasn't been necessary. So you get your laundry done outside, you get your coffee in the morning outside on on, on the way to work and literally where you are is just a place to stay. Do you think it's... I do do my own laundry to be fair. I'll I'll defend myself on that. I haven't got quite that bad yet. (laughs) Okay. But the coffee comes, comes from the shop. The coffee definitely comes from the shop, yes. Uh, Over the course of the pandemic during lockdown, I started making my own coffee. But the minute the coffee shop started reopening, that became my one treat of the day. I'd go and pick up my takeaway coffee and walk around with it for a bit. And that really, really cheered me up. So it sort of has become one of the nice life luxuries, really. Even though it's something that happens every day, it's still a really lovely thing that cheers me up. Yeah, people would look at, millennials or younger people and say oh my god you don't know how good you have it you know 
I think that's certainly true in a lot of ways. If you look at something like foreign holidays, the foreign holidays that me and my friends can afford, you know, everything from a nice cheap package trip to the Mediterranean, to people who go on these huge extensive tours around Southeast Asia or South America, that's just simply wasn't a possibility for our parents growing up. And then you've got things like Uber, cheap taxi rides, making them accessible to much many more people. Generally, before we had this cost of living crisis, luxuries were cheaper than they would have been for our parents. So you've got all these great things that Mm. we are so lucky to have. But then you've got the other ends of the spectrum, which is we all have pretty rubbish pensions because final salary pensions aren't really a thing anymore. Employers don't put as much money in house price multiples in somewhere like London have completely changed. So it used to be three times the average salary for a house. Now it's about eight times. So you've sort of got this odd paradox where all the nice little things are much more accessible, but all the big things, the things you would consider proper markers of stability in adulthood mm. are far less accessible. Have you have you given up more or less, Charlotte, on, on buying your own place eventually? Uh, well, so I do own my flat and the okay. reason I own my flat is essentially because I've got a lot of do- dead grandparents, which is <laughs> how anyone comes to own property in London at the age that I am. And to be honest, well into their 30s and 40s, when you look around at people who I know, it is only people who either have enough family wealth that they've been given some sort of gift by their family or who have ended up inheriting something from dead relatives who have been able to actually purchase somewhere. So I'm particularly lucky on that front, although it's in a way very unlucky to have lost my grandparents at a fairly early age. And the reason for that really is about deposits. So if you look at, I don't know, say you're going to take, this is a lot more expensive than my flat was, but say you're going to take a two-bedroom flat around where I live. Mine's a bit smaller than that. You're probably looking at half a million pounds. And what is it you can... I know. So say say you're on a pretty decent income, something really uh, 80. Uh, I'm going to do a round number, actually, to make the maths easier for me. So you're on 50 grand a year. That's nearly double the national average income. What can you borrow? You can borrow five times your salary, an absolute push. So you can get 250 grand at which point you're going to need 250 grand worth of deposits. And Mm. I don't think anyone's getting that very easily. So at that point, that's why a lot of people think, you know what, either I'm going to say I'm never going to buy property and I'm going to have my nice little frivolities or people will be hoping to be able to inherit at some point because, of course, a lot of people have parents whose houses have gone up massively in value and that will one day be released. Yeah, one th- one thing that you you also talk about in, in the piece was that sometimes you you eat out just because you can on a Wednesday or a Thursday just because you can because you know you you've got a good job you've got a decent income and you kind of have nothing else to spend it on at the moment. That's sort of true, really. And I don't have children. I don't have a desire to get a bigger flat or a bigger house. If I was looking for a big family house near where I live, you'd be up way again. A a nice terrace house in Zone 2 of London, which is where I live, probably is going to set you back about a million pounds. And that is so wildly out of reach for me that I think, right, well... 
<laughs> I won't worry about that. What I will do is I'll buy myself a nice dinner. And that is, again, just such a hugely lucky, lucky, privileged place to be in. And my life is very nice. But the type of thing that you would consider a pretty decent, ordinary aspiration in mm. other parts of the country outside of a big city just isn't something I really think about. I think as well, people in my position, people, professionals in big cities tend to have children a bit later. Part of that probably is due to the housing market as well. There's nowhere to put a child in my flat. Saw some data the other day that said that 50% of women at age 30 have a child, at least one child in mm. the UK. And I don't know a single one of them. It's, actually, that's not true. I know one of them who is my sister who lives in our hometown. She's got a child, but not a single woman I know age 30 in my social circles in London has a child. Mm. And so clearly the lifestyle that I have found myself in, the group of people I found myself yeah. in is statistically very weird. You'd, you'd be bringing a huge expense upon yourself anyway if you were to have a child. You know when you moved into your little... Uh, apartment forced and and settled in there like how did you find yourself equipped charlotte in terms of life skills did you know could you cook could you do your own laundry did you know what you were doing when you moved out first oh that's an interesting one i was okay by the time i got into my current flat university was a bit of a bloodbath i was extremely bad at working out how to do my washing extremely bad at working out how to do my ironing which is quite odd actually because my mum sort of encouraged me to learn all of these things and tried to get me to help and i did but there's something about being left all alone that leaves you floundering i'm all right at cooking i really like cooking for other people mm. don't really care for cooking for myself then there's just one of you Firstly, you sort of think, well, what's the point really to spend longer cooking this and I'm just going to spend eating it? And as well, when it comes to food shopping, it can actually get quite expensive quite quickly because you buy all the ingredients for the thing you want. And then unless you want to eat the same thing three days in a row. Yeah. it is going to go mouldy and be thrown away. So it almost becomes more cost efficient to just there, buy a packaged sandwich and eat it. There ain't much room for batch cooking and freezing in a small one-bedroom place. No, my freezer is about the size of a small desk drawer, if not smaller. So exactly, that is something that, to be honest, I'm possibly a little bit too disorganised to do. But if I tried, then it would end up being pretty tricky as well. I was just thinking to myself, you know, if you have a bad cold, you want to make yourself a hot drink during the night, then you might miss the kettle. That is true. There have been occasional moments. I used to occasionally make myself pasta, but then Tesco stopped making my favourite pasta sauce. So it's been a while since I made myself pasta and I would boil it on the hob then. And I didn't really consider that particularly annoying, to be honest. But I suppose a kettle could have helped then. As I say, the tea drinkers in my life have been absolutely outraged. Because they <laughs> are completely bemused as to how I get through life without drinking tea. But I've never really taken to it personally. Hot drink in the middle of the night. Actually, I think it's probably quite good for me not to have a constant supply of caffeine on tap overall because I probably would end up drinking it at 11 p.m. Mm. So in a way, maybe this is a nice restriction on my ability to mess up my own sleeping cycles. Fergal reminds me here there's always a microwave. Do you have one of those? There is. I don't have one of those either, but no. I've never had one of those. Now, whatever about I... a kettle, Charlotte, how on earth do you live without a microwave? 
I've never had one. I think this is one of the great divides in the world. People who have microwaves and always grew up with one and couldn't live without one and people who didn't and so don't really know what they're missing. And I currently don't know what I'm missing at all. <laughs> and I think, you know what, you sound like you're really happy and really contented in your little place. But the cost, you're at, you, I mean, we've a housing crisis and a cost of price of housing crisis in Ireland, but... You, did you did you just say to me a two bedroom terrace house where you are in London a million pounds? Pretty much, yeah. I'm sure if you shopped around or you were willing to go a bit further out, then you would be able to get that down. And there are really good transport links in London, so I'm thinking about it. I think if you go sort of a 10, 15 minute train ride out from me. Some friends recently bought a two bedroom terrace house for 600,000. So you can bring that down. Still pretty expensive. That's an awful, awful lot of money. Um, But I would say, actually, to be honest, I'm really lucky on this front because if I look at friends who are renting, it's the rental market that has become really terrible here. I think it's rather similar where you are, but you would be. You'd be really surprised to get a one-bedroom flat for less than 1500 a month here. And that is actually That's going euro, far out as yeah. well. Yeah, it is. And oh, wow. that is a lot more dramatic than it was a couple of years ago. I think before I moved into my current flat a couple of years before the pandemic, I was living bang in zone one in Waterloo, so the most central bit of London you can. And I was paying 1050 a month, which felt very expensive at the time. And now you'd absolutely bite the hands off a landlord who offered you that anywhere in zone one or two, really. Crikey. All right. Good, good to talk to you. Charlotte, Charlotte Ivers uh, from the Sunday Times. Just Google her and it will come up. It's just a whole different way of living. She's got no kettle. She's got no microwave. She doesn't need it. Doesn't need it. She good job owns her place. Tube is over the road. Coffee in the shop. She does her own laundry. Doesn't cook unless she wants to. She kind of sounds like someone who's got it made. Doesn't 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 she? She's got everything she wants. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Thanks, Charlotte. Double barreled names. This started out of an article I was reading about someone who wasn't going to take her husband's name when they marry because she doesn't want to be classed as his property. And this person feels, I'll get her name in a second, it's in the article, I put it aside. She feels that if you take your husband's name, uh, you are becoming his property. You don't ever have to take their husband's name. But um, there's a there's a... Kieran Ronan has been has contacted. You, I know you you spend a lot of time in in Spain, Kieran. Are, are you there at the moment? Hi, PJ. I'm here. How are you keeping? Good, good, good. There is a tradition in Spain with regards to names, and you you need to explain it to me because I'm not quite I don't I'm not quite getting it. That's no problem, PJ. Uh, they're lovely. They're great people. Generally speaking, when a child is born in Spain, they take on their father's first name and their mother's. Uh, first name, uh, sorry, surname. Okay, so right. it's a double barrel name, and they have that. And then, in time to come, so the the, the girl or the lady decide to get married. She cannot change her name to her husband's name. She must hang on to her um, double barrel name. Oh, she must double barrel it, yeah. Yeah. Now, traditionally, let's say, let's say her father, let's let's say, go golf in terms was Ballesteros and her mother's name was Olasabel. She was regarded as Maria Ballesteros Olasabel. 
right? But generally speaking, she just be regarded as Maria Ballesteros, the father's name. Right. She just stick with that name. But then, if she had to go to the local government office for whatever she has to do, she would have to use her double bar name in that circumstance. Okay, so that becomes her official name. Because there, that's her official you, name. You yes. know, Kieran, there are there are no laws and never were with regard to names at home. So is it is it kind of in law in Spain that she has to do certain things? It is law that you can't take your husband's name. No, I'm only talking about southern Spain around Andalusia. Oh, I yeah. wouldn't know about northern Spain. All changes Spain, in the regions, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it changes with the region. But that's, that's the way it goes. And then when their children are born, they will take the... Um, the father's first name and the mother's second name. So the name does. So you could have in one family different names in the one family as such. Yeah, yeah. You know, Emer's yeah. husband is, is Alberto. Yeah. So he's Alberto Abad. That's his father's name. Martin yes. is his mother's name. Yeah. Yes, they take the father's and mother's name. No, you can. Generally speaking, it's the father's first name goes first, but you can change that at birth, and you can say I want the mother's name to go as the as the as the, the primary name as well, if the surname, yeah. if you so choose. You know. So there's a, there's a lot of flexibility in that direction. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting um, set up there. So. You're, you're over and back a lot, are you? Which, which is home these days, officially? Ah, uh, home is, geez, PJ, anything beyond the Jack Lynch Tunnel is, uh. is all about, but uh, Cork is home. But we try to get over there and we turn down from UCC, so it's a nice, it's nice to kind of uh, make up for last time when I, I can. You know, but if, uh, my good lady wife, she's still working, so that that does complicate things. So, a bit. I'm not a bit jealous, like, not from work. Kieran, good talking God. to you. Thanks a million. 0818 96 96 96. So they have a convention in Spain that you don't take your husband's name, not legally anyway. You never had to do it legally here. I couldn't believe having to actually explain that to people. That so someone marrying John Murphy does not does not have to become Mary Murphy or Susan Murphy. Doesn't have to. She can continue to be Susan O'Brien or Susan Hegarty or whatever she wants to be. It was never it was never a legal thing. Uh, Anya Kenny it was who wrote that article, and Anya sort of I thought anyway was overthinking things just a little bit. Because um, she was kind of saying, like, I'm not taking his name because I'm not his chattel. I'm not his. I'm not his property. Uh, you know, I, I. I don't want to be advertised as as his as his property. She says most women have their father's last name. Okay, the father walks the bride down the aisle, giving her away to her new owner, her husband. The bride then takes her husband's last name. I don't know if I ever saw myself as my wife's owner. If I did, for 30 seconds flat, she'd take the head clean off me anyway. But I never did. And she says the keeping of a husband's name by the wife is the last vestiges of the patriarchy. I, I just wonder, is that a small bit of Overthinkers Anonymous going on? But clearly you have your thoughts. Oh, a one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Listening to that lady with no kettle... I don't have a microwave. I used to have one. I got rid of it. Heat things up in the air fryer now. Kids are always mocking me, saying, sure, put it in the air fryer, Mom. <laughs> Love the show. I don't know. Kettle microwave. Like, in the morning, I, I make my coffee. Okay, I have a machine, but I make my coffee. And I have my eggs. And the microwave. 
I don't know how you'd live without a microwave. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right, there's a uh, traffic. Where is this? What's oh, it's on WhatsApp? Okay, Kevin. PJ, I don't know what's going on in town today, but the traffic is bananas again. Right, people coming in from the South Link, in towards Eglinton Street, in towards the the Elysian there, all backed up. Down onto Albert Street, all backed up. Down over towards Penrose Wharf, all backed up. It's absolutely ridiculous. 11 o'clock in the morning, and it's all down to a couple of lads working just after the junction of Brainbrew Street, or Brainbrew, yeah, Brainbrew Bridge there onto Patrick's Key. There's a couple of lads digging up a hole there, and the whole traffic down into one lane again. It's an absolute joke. Sick of it. City Council, guards, get out and sort it out. Yeah, it's, a, it's a bit of a pain in the neck, all right. Thanks, Kev, for that. 083 396 96 96. Everyone to send us a WhatsApp voice message. And just to remind you again of what's happening this evening. So the N25 westbound, that is the road in from East Cork, say from Yall, Middleton, Cove, further afield to Waterford. That N25 road in towards the city, that'll close near the Glenmire roundabout at half seven this evening. Close. And you will be diverted into the Jack Lynch Tunnel, whether you want to or not, you'll be diverted into the Jack Lynch Tunnel, onto the N40, and then onto the South Link Road into town and around the town. It is going to be carnage if there is a traffic jam. Now, at 7.30 this evening, they're hoping to have it all done and dusted and open by 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Motorists are advised to allow extra time for their journey. I'm thinking of someone who is coming in from Middleton or Yall or wherever and they're going to visit someone up in Montanati or Mayfield. Can you just... Can you just imagine? So you're coming in from... I know it has to be done. You're coming in from East Cork. You would be going up to Montanati or Mayfield or wherever... You've got to go down through the tunnel, out by Mahan Point, down the other way, back up the Link Road, in there by the Elysian, and back up over the north side. I'd be ringing you and say, lads, I'll see you next Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 yeah, we were down last evening at the launch of Live at the Marquee. 18 gigs over the month, starting on the 27th of May, running up to the 24th of June. Two of those nights are the 20th and 21st, when himself will be on stage, back at the Marquee for the first time in 14 years, and doing all of the hits. Kay Keneally, have you ever seen him before? Uh, a few years ago when he was in the Marquee. Oh, that's 14 years ago now. Yeah, that yeah. was the last time. Yeah, you didn't see him in the in the park, no? No, no, no. You you have you have, have you favourites that you want to hear? Because it, it is a big hit show, like, he just does all the hits. Um, I suppose, you know, Maggie May, Do You Think I'm Sexy? No, I like some of his cover ones as well that he yeah. does. Yeah. Just he, like his voice. He does that, that old black magic. That oh, old I love st- it, yeah, I love great. it. Yeah. And Grace, you heard him in Grace? Pardon? You heard him doing Grace? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Grace in the marquee. <laughs> I'm actually not too sure which song that is. The other one, Oh, Grace Does Hold Me In. You know, the Irish song. You know the one. 
They'll, they'll oh, lift it. Yes, you know, oh, yes, yeah, I do, yeah, I do, yeah, I do. Yeah. I do, yeah. I do. They'll, they'll, they'll lift the roof off the marquee. All right, we're going to send you there on the 21st Brilliant. of June. You and a friend, go along and enjoy Rod Stewart live at the marquee. Uh, that's Kay Keneally in Gronenbroher. And well done to everyone who won this week. And I have no doubt in my mind that between now and the 35 days from now when Marquee opens, we will have more tickets. Promise you, we will have more tickets for more gigs, thanks to our friends at Aiken Promotions. There's a story. There'll be more of this over the days to come, and I'm sure we'll come to it ourselves. The government government has been advised by the Cyber Security Centre the National Cyber Security Centre has advised the government that official devices, one assumes official phones and official laptops and official pads or tablets, should from now on not have TikTok on them. There's a story. It's happening in other places. It's bound to happen here too. You'll hear, you'll read more about it, I'm sure, over the weekend. 0818969696. When we moved into our house um, up in... Maryborough, we had to strip it out, obviously. So we put a skip in the in the front garden, and we tore up carpets, and we pulled out the old what was left of the kitchen, and we pulled up tiles, and we did all those kind of things before we prepared it for ourselves and and moved in. And there was one particularly hideous. I mean, it was an awful thing. It was like a, a light fitting that the previous owners had had in the house, and it was kind of a pink crystal. And it was like something out of a Turkish brothel. It was awful. It went into the skip. And it went out of the skip. Because someone took it. People will take things out of skips. And imagine such an idea to build a television show around it. They call it Skip Divers. Colin Cowman. Colin, good morning. Hello, PJ. How are you? That's, I love your your example of your of what you did in your own house. This happens all the time. It's so we've, true. We've had it to the point now where if we're going to throw something out, right, and replace it, I'd say, look, you know, don't don't just dump it. Let's let's stick it in the garden with a sign on it saying "free to take away." You wouldn't believe the crap that people will take to do something with. <laughs> I love, well, yes, there can be an awful lot of crap out there, but the actual irony of this whole thing is that there's a whole movement now across the country. Yes. Um, it's in the, across the globe, but um, Ireland is is very much moving towards the upcycling, free cycling, creating something brilliant yeah. out of old things. Um, and really, our series, uh, we've all, we all love... Um, this is a series uh, that we're producing called Skip Divers now and the, the, we all love interior makeover shows and, and how, how often have we watched these shows where there's these fantastic makeovers in people's rooms and you get room envy uh, we've all we've, we've worked on them ourselves in the company and really we looked at the whole kind of circular economy and the climate action and we went look this can be so um, hard to know where to start mm. uh, for people who are really care about climate care about you know doing something making a difference and um, but where do I start and we said look start the home look at how you're doing your your rooms and how you make over important rooms in your house and think in terms of having a conversation about where do your things come from do you always need to buy something brand new do we always need to go flat pack with a with our living room or our dining room and can you create something really jaw-droppingly beautiful out of found items salvaged items mm. and all of that and so that was the kind of premise pj of why we wanted to kind of do the show but 
what we've got now is we've some of Ireland's top designers uh, all into sustainability who are going to be going around and turning Ireland's tired rooms into tantalising spaces all over the summer and we have an opportunity for your viewers to apply to have that happen for them. So someone who's got maybe a room that's looking a bit drab and they want to tart it up a bit but they don't necessarily want to go and buy all new things Exactly. Exactly. Well, in in actual fact, um, the the we the the homeowners who apply for this, um, there'll, there'll be no cost to them at all. It'll all be done for them free of charge, and they get one of Ireland's top uh, interior designers and a team of uh, tradespeople to boot. And we'll be travelling around all through the the whole summer this summer, um, working on rooms right across the country. Um, right. and uh, affect so so really, it can be very intimidating when you're thinking about doing up a room as to where do you start because you're kind of unpicking, you know, say, okay, I'm going to swap that armchair, but now that means I'm going to have to do this other thing because it doesn't fit that other thing. So once you've got an interior designer coming in who has actually got a a whole vision for the space, it makes it really amazing. But you can do amazing things with furniture that you didn't realise. And often people think that secondhand is land or secondhand means they're compromising the space or, you know, something that has been, you know, found through a charity shop. But actually we're working with upcyclers across the country to create better, more bespoke furniture um, that, that's going to work in this new space that you have. So yeah. really we're looking for people to kind of get involved mm-hmm. um, and, and not the small box room, uh, please. Right. <laughs> uh, rooms, rooms that matter in the house, rooms that, you know, because we're going to look at how you live and how to really sort of um, improve your space, you know, and get you to love your, love your, love your space. Do you know what's, what's a, a common thing when you want to do a room up is there'll be something in it that's sentimental, Colin. You know that so old, true. that old chair that was that was Granddad's yeah. old chair, and, and that's can going divide a room, no fun. <laughs> that's going nowhere. It's tatty, it's moth-eaten, but it's going nowhere. That's a challenge. To My build God, around. you're so true. You're so you're so right. Sorry in saying that because actually, what we're finding even with people that are applying for the show and uh, and you're 100 percent right, PJ is like you know there can that be that sofa that followed the you know the guy through his his kind of college years and you know he's now married and you know and um, and the the wife is saying you know that is one thing that's going and the husband is saying no that has to stay because of the sentimental value and you know or the grandfather clock that takes up like a third of the room or you know so like there's often things that people really it divides a room it divides couples and you know does it stay in the na- in the new design does it have to find a new home that that's all part of it and, and that's the, where the your challenge. designers will come in and say okay well look if you insist on keeping that old chair let's start and work around that is that how it'll do that how you do it Absolutely, yeah, no, absolutely. That, that, that'll be part of it. But, you know, but I think sometimes we can become sort of blinded to our own spaces as well. You become very sort of familiar. Like, you know, there's a kind of a human side to this as well. And it can be quite emotional for people because when you think in terms of how you use your space, um, you look at the likes of what happened with the lockdown and COVID and, you know, that long term thing that we talked about where, you know, you feel like you're living in work rather than working from home. Yeah. And those kind of ghosts are still there in people's homes. You know, I'm, I'm in one right now. My living room has has a laptop in the corner and, you know, and files. And, you know, so so really part of really brilliant, sustainable design and having a conversation about how where our things come from and where we can salvage and is to actually look at how you live and think, are you? are you using your space the right way? Because the first way to get sort of, you know, salvage um, um, sustainable in a sense is to look at how you live in your own space.
Yeah. So, um, so there's a, there's a load in that, you know, and it can be quite emotional for people as well when they realise they actually have a really really usable space, but they just didn't know where to start to to achieve that. Some someone gave us a a bookcase that they were throwing out, and I oh, for, for, for you fi- get all the good stuff for sixteen quid. I put four legs on it. The wife painted it. And now it stores my old records. So it can be done. It can be done. Animo. TV.ie, skip divers at animotv.ie if anybody has a room that they'd like you to look at, correct? Absolutely, and we'll we'll talk them through the application process. It's really easy. All they need to do is email us um, uh, to skipdivers at animotv.ie and uh, we when, will... When will you be filming? Um, uh, June, July, uh, so, so get your applications in as soon as possible so we can get chatting to you. All right, Colin, Colin Good, Colin, Colin Cowman, uh, executive producer for the show Skip Divers. They're looking for cork projects. So have you got that room that you'd like to do a makeover on, but you'd like to do it sustainably, maybe use somebody else's pre-loved things, not go and buy a whole load of new stuff? There you go. Skip Divers at animotv.ie. Give them all your deets and they will do the rest. And if they choose you, it's all free. And not a word you hear too often these days. Free. And I think that's about the size of it. Yeah, just be careful of that closure of the road again this evening. Be warned. If you have something to do that necessitates coming in from East Cork towards the city after half seven this evening, it might be best to push it off until tomorrow or maybe even Sunday because they're going to be directing you into the Jack Lynch Tunnel back up the South Link so if you wanted to come from Middleton say <coughs> to, to Mayfield tonight that would not be fun trying to do it so just be warned and I've no doubt that we will hear about the carnage after the weekend. But that's it for now. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever de- in whatever way that you did. And we'll talk to you Monday just after night. Corks ninety six FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.